Hey everybody, welcome to Swedenborgian Life Live. Today we're looking at the difference between grace and mercy. Listen, you don't want to get caught flat-footed. Pe new people, new group of friends you've just met, they ask you, was it diff? Difference between an grace answer. and mercy? Plus it just happens to do with the, this state that allows us to re be receptive of the deepest happiness mm. imaginable, right? If either of those get to you, thanks. We're, we're glad to have you here today. My name is Chris Schultz, and I'll be hosting this with me. I'm, I'm actually really lucky to have Dr. Jonathan Rose, the series editor of the New Century Edition, here with me. Great to see you here. Hey, Curtis. Great to be here. Um, so if you're watching, if this is your first time or you've been watching this for a while and you haven't already, please like and subscribe. That's going to help our channel out. And also click that bell. If you subscribe, click, click the bell. Then you're going to know that we put a new video out. And this is the last call to action, but call to actions are a very important part of programming. You mm. know, it's best practices. Get your elevator pitch ideas in. That is not something any other video does. But later in this show, we are each going to spend a minute thrashing and floundering, trying to, on the spot, come up with a good, <laughs> solid explanation for something that's only a minute long in Swedenborg's ideas. You can choose what it is we have to try to talk about with no prep. So get that in there and, and we'll do it. Okay, this show, the difference between grace and mercy. And maybe you never even thought that these were things and maybe you never ever thought that splitting that hair would do something for you, but it will. This, this mm. is like the fundamental stuff of what it is to have a relationship with the divine being itself. Mm. And this question isn't something we just thought up in our lab. As, as always, this show is prompted by what you're all thinking about. So this was from a show that we did a long time ago, uh, one of our good question shows where all we do is get people together and try to answer questions. Yeah. We, you had so many, which we really appreciate, that we couldn't get to them all. And this was the question that we didn't get to in our show about karma communication from angels and like a fire. Matthew Bush asks, can you explain the difference between grace and mercy? Spiritual and heavenly? So he knows already about Swedenborg and the layers of the mind and the opening of the different, oh, man. Uh, you know, s s the different layers of magnitude. This is an informed question. So we will inform uh, ourselves as we go along here and try to get at why are these two things mentioned and, and how could it possibly be relevant to what we're doing? So that's the goal today. Let's begin by asking ourselves, that sounds very theological. Grace and mercy sounds like a religious True. Christian kind of thing. Let's start by asking us a question about what's going on with us today, and we'll do that in the icebreaker section. This is a little awkward because I said, like, Grace and mercy is so theological, you know, but this question is it's a pretty theological question. Well, I mean, it's got, I God, so. it's got God in it. God is pretty theological. There's God in there. But, but it's also personal. This is a question you can ask yourself. You know, if, if, this is, you know, if you have any, there's a broad swath of people who have some kind of conception of the divine, if you fall anywhere in there. Here's the question that we are going to use to begin our journey into grace and mercy. Are there things you know you can't do without God's help? And, mm. and answer it honestly, because this could easily be like, okay, I'm supposed to say, no, I can't do anything. But actually, it seems like everything I do, I just go and do, and God can't really help me do anything that I can't do. So what, is it, what does it mean? Are there things you know you can't do without God's help? And how, so how does that pop up for you, and particularly in the idea of how God interacts with humans that Swedenborg puts forward? There, there have just been things in my life. Uh, I have kind of an addictive personality, and... 
uh, I've just found myself in different situations uh, being powerless over certain kind of habits and things like that. And so those I feel really clear about because I saw myself try to struggle and, and overcome those things by myself and I just absolutely couldn't do it. Yeah. So uh, there are ones like that where when you've really, really tried and tried and tried and tried and tried, tried to figure it out, tried to change it, and, and you can't change it, then you sort yeah. of know, oh, okay, this is a miracle you right. know, to be able to get free of that and not have that be an issue in the same way is, is a great thing. Yeah. And it does, after a while, you do start to think, this really applies to breathing, waking up in the morning, everything. Right. Like it's amazing to have a dream or to have a thought or any, you know, all these things are kind of miracles. Yeah. But it starts with stuff that you've put your whole self into trying to control and you can't do it. I love the idea of that subtle miracle, that this is something that should be well within the bounds of, of um, uh, something that can happen based on the laws that we understand yeah. to currently be operating. But because you've seen this certain angle of struggle within yourself and, and seen yourself hit these certain limitations, you can tell, wait, no, something, something just happened here. And that, that too, um, things you can't do without God's help. So the only things that stay in us are things that we freely accept. So these are things that we uh, that we see for ourselves and, mm. and believe for ourselves. If you're told a million times, like you can't do this thing, God is helping you do that, but you don't feel it, then then it can never stick. So I sometimes think this is this is why, and Sweetmore gives support to this. This is why we are allowed to thrash at things for a while, yeah, and not achieve them. And I, and because I've got this uh, Swedenborgian concept that actually, and this is a really intense one to chew over, he says that all good, and good you could put it, it's like everything constructive yeah. has to come through you from God. You can't actually generate positive change w without God. Everything that works, everything yeah. effective. Yeah. yeah, so to me, where I feel like I, ha I see this, are there things you know you can't do without God's help? Yes, I increase the amount of order in my life. Ah, because I like that. I will, you know, I'm deep immersed in these concepts uh, of, of Swedenborg and, and trying to apply them in practice. And I'll definitely hit these great peaks of this is, this works. This is just plainly, obviously how things are. This is an amazing piece of leverage. And this, it's coming down into practical things. Like this is inspiring right. me to, um, you know, beat back the negativity in my mind to be more productive, to be more happy. Everything that would lead me to be like a better functioning human, it just works. And I'm able to sometimes keep it front and center, but then I get lazy or I get distracted or I feel like, oh, well, I don't really need to do that. And I kiss can't, like I've, I've been, there's things that I've been trying to get organized about for years. And oh. I, maybe something that I've learned out of it is I, you can't bootstrap yourself into the next stage. That bootstrap is a great image, isn't it? That you you really can't you can't lift yourself into the air, yeah. and there are things you just can't do for yourself. And not that I've never made progress, but as we're going to see, to start to develop the attitude of like, thank you, like I know you just nudged me forward, even though I'm being left in this freedom to feel like it just you, I didn't see your hand come out and do it. Right. That's actually really key to what it is to develop heaven inside yourself. So let's mm. take a look now. And I don't think I said this, 
You guys, what are your answers? You probably, if you've watched the show enough, you should be writing answers to that. Are there things you know you can't do without God's help? Write them in the chat if you haven't already. We'll be compiling those. That's and right. at the end of the show, we want to see how your answers, whose answers are better. Your answers are our <laughs> answers. And we'll have a big competition. It's no, all just, a competition. We want to get your perspective. Okay, that's exciting. We've got that in mind. Now with that there, so somehow this is going to tie in to grace and to mercy. And we'll see that, in, we'll see that begin in the setup. Okay, so we have to do start to investigate this, give you the, the, some more theological stuff, which is the spiritual and the celestial layers of existence. You know, in the beginning... Just like Matthew asked about. Right? He was saying, spiritual and celestial, what is that? Um, th- it's, it's two different... One way to look at it is two different levels of opening up to the influence of the divine design of God. And it's, it's like you can have, uh, you know, we always make the, use the metaphor of, well, let's use Wi-Fi connection, right? There, there's, there's Wi-Fi. It's all over. It is all over. But, but the, your computer doesn't benefit from it unless you click the buttons that somehow open it to that Wi-Fi. So it becomes receptive. Receptive. You know. I don't know how it works. I don't know if it's opening, but functionally it is opening in some way. So to open up to God in a... Gen- and a, on one level is spiritual. You start to get the spiritual mindset to open to God fully with your whole mind. So think of it like not just on the level of you know your your tissues, but down to each cell is open. Then that's what celestial is. So Swedenborg makes this interesting distinction that there are spiritual and celestial heavens, and that they're both great. Listen, they're way better than what we have here. You're not going to get to spiritual heaven and say. Well, this is lame. This is a, I'm plateauing. I'm having a midlife crisis. It's okay. It's, it's just phenomenally beyond anything we can imagine here. But yet, he says, the celestial heaven is an even deeper happiness. So why? That's key to, to the whole what's the difference thing. And you do have mm. spiritual and celestial are Swedenborg's terms. And now we're looking at these biblical terms, grace and mercy. And they tie together. But first, to, to ground ourselves... There are grace and mercy. That is actually in the Bible, right? They're they're in the Bible quite a bit. Yeah, that's right. Um, let's just pick some examples. Say At let's random. have five quotes about grace. Oh, that's good. And they just appeared. Yeah. Let's Your lips them. have been anointed with grace since God has blessed you forever. In the Psalms, I'll pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. Supplication is like asking for help, isn't it? So we're starting to get a little context. A little context there. A little word association. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Yeah, two, two powerful ones from Revelation. Yeah. So that's very interesting. And then there are biblical quotes about mercy. We'll just pick another handful here. May your mercy come quickly to meet us, for we are in desperate need. Uh-huh. Not just supplication, but desperate need. Okay, you know? okay. In his love, important word, and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them. 
We're already starting to see a slightly different application in the literal sense here. A different kind of feel, yeah, wouldn't you say? Yeah, different vibe, yep. What does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love, there's the love word again, mm. love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? So desperate need, humble, Yeah, and right? that's, that's such a good one. Mm. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will, will come to us from heaven, and blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Okay. Those are just uh, some biblical quotes. But this uh, still begs the question that Matthew posed to begin with. What is the difference? So the, obviously they're both things that come from God, in yeah. some, right? Like it's the grace of God and the mercy of God. So they're, they're both things that flow down from God. Why would you have two different things that would come from God. Well, of course, it's because there are distinct auras that emanate from God through the whole spiritual world and the whole natural world. Oh, did they click away? They don't want to. Okay, this is, this is we're going to get into some metaphysics here. That this, this stuff is not just words describing different aspects. Uh, it just, it's not just interchangeable. Oh, not just semantics. Or semantics, ex mm. exactly what I'm talking about. This is actually, these are distinctive technical things that you could measure. Oh, there's grace, there's mercy. We so there's these auras mm. that are emanating from God. If, it, if that sounds weird, think about the sun. There are auras that emanate from the sun. Yeah. We call them heat or light or whatever else comes out of the sun. So just like the earth, there's a ton of stuff coming out of the sun, but not all of it reaches the surface of the earth because there's earth's magnetic field. True. The atmosphere is at play there. Um, our distance from the sun, so the coronas don't hit us, whatever. There, there are... Right, our electromagnetic field blocks certain things from happening. and Ozone layer and blocks right, certain and things. filtering and temperature modification. So just like that, which is actually a correspondence, like the sun is emanating stuff out, and the state of the Earth's auras, which would be atmosphere and magnetic, electrical magnetic field and other things probably, those affect how the Earth receives and what the Earth receives from the Sun, so the state of our own personal aura, which is really, according to Swedenborg, the state of our own mm. heart and mind, that affects what, how we receive this stuff from God. It's so almost like your own personal yeah. electromagnetic field that you yeah. are either receptive to something that's yeah. coming from the Sun or you're blocking it or changing it. And you could think, oh, we're talking about um, things that are, right, mental and emotional, but kind of painting them like they were physical things. But in the spiritual world, mental and emotional stuff is, has substance to it. So it is actually things. And Swedenborg describes this here in Spiritual Experiences, hmm. 3344. I experienced a visual aura before I knew what an aura is, namely an aura of grace, oh. like a golden yellow atmosphere reddening when it was one of mercy. Oh, hang on. Now, wait a minute. So you're trying to tell me that there's an aura of grace that looks golden yellow, and it's an atmosphere. Interesting you talk about it, atmosphere. Yeah. But then it turns red when it's mercy. Is that what, there's that, what like, you're saying? Like mercy to grace. It, it is what I'm saying. Like okay. mercy to grace, it's like a chemical change enough that it shows up visually. And in that I don't aura, think Matthew was expecting that answer. And in that I aura, know. I then saw that there was grace when it was also one of mercy. And for those of you who say, I don't know if there's really a God, right? I don't know if really, he, where is his hand working in events? Oh, really? Then how come we just happen to have this up 
from the beginning. Oh, wait, not that one yet. The uh, the yellow what and the, the red. I know. And with just exactly that what that quote. That's astonishing. Checkmate. That's so, proof right there. But so this, Swedenborg seeing something like this happen in the spiritual world. So there's something distinct about these two auras and something you can sense visually. Okay, that's the beginning. So what, what is the essence? Of, because everything spiritual, though, is not just like heat, uh, electromagnetic radiation and, and light radiation. It's just, it's just substance. But there, everything is something psychological. Yes. So what is grace and what is mercy? real yeah. from, the, from the mind or the spirit. Yeah. And you've talked about the fact that an aura of grace is actually a delight in truth. You can see how some people would have that more than other people. Or right. what, you know, some people want to hear it, some people don't want to hear it. So an aura of grace is a delight in truth. That's how it hits us, is it creates in us a delight. When we hear the truth, we love mm. it. Okay, that's the aura of grace. Then the aura of mercy, he describes quite, you would think it would be just like a delight in good or something. If you were but a Swedenborg. He says, it's God's deep yearning to bring us all to the highest heaven and happiness. The deep yearning on the part of God to bring us all to the highest heaven and to happiness. And uh, a really crucial element of what we're talking about, sort of like the earth being able to repel certain things or attract certain things just by the nature of its aura, its, yeah. you know, what surrounds it, is that whatever goes out from God, just God is in the radiating business. It's right on his business card. This is what he does. You need just your radiator? Here I am. Radiating, radiating, radiating all, all right. the time. But it can only enter us if we're willing to receive it. This is such a crucial point. Well, you know, so right. if you don't want it, if you don't want that, you know, solar wind or you don't want you know, whatever it is that's coming out of the sun and you block that, um, th then you're not receiving it, even though it's being put out there for you. And that is the nature of love and the nature of delight for the truth. If you are refusing love, <laughs> if you are saying, I don't want your help, other, can we give help to somebody who does it? You can't, I'm going to force you to accept this love. It doesn't work. And if you don't want to hear the truth, uh, are you ever going to hear it? Right? Isn't this, you were mentioning, um, you know, you were mentioning addictive personalities. Yes, right. And that don't, don't they have this, you know, you, you can have a bunch of people who are concerned about somebody and say, we've got to help you. We, we're worried about you. Not that they're always right, but a lot of the times they are. But if the person isn't listening or doesn't want it, um, there's nothing that they, yeah. that can be done, right? No. Yeah. Can't do it. And so sometimes, uh, you know, you've probably experienced this with your friends or people that you know, uh, that, People sometimes, when they've really hit a rough patch, they'll open up to God in a different way. There's something about severe troubles yeah. that will lead to a, a, an opening in a different way when they re realize the powerlessness that they have over this issue that they're confronting. Yeah, they, isn't that called hitting bottom? That, yeah. And what, what within that concept is this idea that initially people are telling you, like, you need this, this is what's going on, and you don't really, it doesn't really seem true. Like, I don't really yeah. need help, I'm fine on my own. This Denial, isn't right? Denial, isn't that what right. they talk about? Yeah, yeah. River right. in Egypt. And the hitting bottom, or whatever that experience is, is realizing for yourself, this is true. I do need help. I, and now, instead of, instead of 
uh, you're trying to force help into me. I'm now looking for it. Right. And that, that I'm hungry for it. Very different state. That's starting to touch Very our icebreaker state. question. Because if we are saying, where's a place you really need help from oh, God? okay. And you can go through a quite a lot of life feeling like, I don't believe there is God. I don't think that there, that, and, and certainly is not intervening in the details in my life. But do you get to, and these struggles, Dr. Mm. Jonathan Rose was mentioning, are actually the absolutely indispensable part of our spiritual growth. It's Swedenborg talks about this whole thing about uh, spiritual trials or temptations or however they're oh, translated. True. That's right. That only actually, the only progress we make spiritually is through these shakings of what, how our life is arranged and through these struggles that because within those mm. we realize our need for help. And that's the only way that we can unplug the ears, let the hand down and let that love in. And it's not that we're trying to get ourselves into a debased, state like there's something shameful about realizing our dependence our relationship with the divine even if it's something like the divine is doing everything for us how how are babies doing like does anybody think like oh that's lame that you're, that babies are babies babies and kids know that they're dependent yeah, but they that shameful dependence that, they, that baby has on and it. it's a, it's actually awesome everybody <laughs> thinks you know that that is a cool form of life and so we can get to that same kind of opening like it's not, it's not like, okay, we fail and so we need help. It's just, no, you just, help is part of the existence. Like this is absolutely part right. of the existence. So w what do we do? You may be saying, all right, okay, I've, I've been beaten down by life. I, I absolutely don't want to stop this inflow. How do I open up? How do I let down my personal magnetic field so that oh, more can come so in? So more comes in. Um, right, right, right. Swedenborg is very very much hammers home the point that that happens, letting God in, the, the love and wisdom in, happens to the extent that we let go of resistance in our selfhood. So there's, oh. he, t he talks about it in Secrets of Heaven, mm. 5957. The Lord desires a humble attitude in us on our behalf, because when we have that attitude, the Lord can flow in with heavenly good. You oh, sometimes people have thought that the, the, the Lord wants us to be humble because He wants our praise or, you know, to glorify Him. Yeah. No, it, it's about our receptivity. So, and think about this, th think about this quote for a second. So, yeah, d desires humble attitude in us on our behalf. So it's not, it, all this stuff you do see in the Bible, but humble yourself in the sight yeah. of the Lord. Um, you know, when you pray, yeah. is the whole thing, is it egomaniacal? What is it? So humility is the only thing that heavenly good can flow in with. Why is that? Because heaven in particular, we were just in a, this in the countdown to the show, heaven is wishing well to someone else with your mm. whole heart. And in fact, be wishing better for them yes. than even you have. And that is absolutely, the, the soil for that is, is humility. So okay, n next mm. quote is Divine Love and Wisdom 335. The focus on self, that is self-love, meaning, and that's not like, do you, are, do you think you're a good person or not? If the point of your existence is to advance your self-interest, if you are the thing, crush your if, enemy. If you feel like, what's the most important thing in the universe? It's me. That hardens and closes our heart. It's removed. So how do you get rid of that? We all st struggle to it to different extents sure. with this inappropriate placing of self above the rest of the human race and above goodness and truth, which is above the Lord. It is removed by our realization that in our own right, okay, wait a second. This is going to get really harsh here. Oh. 
it is removed by our realization that in our own right, we are nothing but evil and that nothing but what is good comes from the Lord. Oh, that's kind of a tough price to pay, though. Right, because now we're evil. have to get to the point to say, okay, I accept that I'm nothing but evil. Now I can be softened and opened well, up. I mean, hmm. but wait a second. Look at that phrase, our own right. In our own right, true. So if what is good comes from the Lord, if we were talking about that emanation before, and all goodness and all truth is coming out of the Lord, hmm. right? So there's plenty that we've done that's good. There's plenty to love yes, about people. True. What he's imagining, and this is a, is a scenario in which, what if you sucked all the goodness and truth out? And nobody complain, nobody would, would argue that there's not a dark side to human nature, and that when love is absent, people act in abysmal ways toward each other. It seems to happen, doesn't it? There's like yeah. mob mentality, whatever when it is. The, yeah, breakdown of law or stu stuff. Yeah, people so it's just imagining go a wild. Just understanding the role of that, that, it's go that, that goodness that stirs your heart and is good and the truth that enlightens your mind, that's coming from somewhere. That is, you're a little, you're a baby and this is God holding mm. you and feeding you. And yeah, right. What does this do for you? This yields mm. the softening of heart and humility from which reverence and worship flow. Makes me think of those passages about the supplication yeah. and the being in need and the humility and all that. So that the Lord may bless us out of His love. Okay, though what's the whole point? Is that we become happy, right? We bless us out of His love. Mm. And since this is what He loves to do, our receiving it is the joy of His love. Yeah, what's easy like, yeah, great, now you think you're no good and now I'm happy. But understanding, when you get that, the arrogance out of there, when you are genuinely Mm. thinking about uh, you're genuinely mm. not um, p not do not believe you are greater than the rest of the human beings then God can give us what's actually joy he can actually give us this state of heaven which is so much happier than than the state of winning the Super Bowl or doing anything that we feel like would be so great for the ego that this heavenly happiness is so much greater and when the Lord can hook us up with that and give us this life that's got this immeasurable joy in it that's when God is happy because that, and look at that, if that's what making God happy, what's God's ultimate happiness? Is it like with the realization that I'm God and I'm super great and when everybody <laughs> prays for me, God's greatest joy is giving us the greatest joy possible. And so that, of course, that's what heaven is. That is so awesome. So Swedenborg gives an interesting answer to, like you think about this whole grace and mercy thing that right. we're talking about that's tonight. what we're talking about. Really, the difference is not in God, it's in us. And so being open to an aura of grace, Swedenborg would define as a spiritual state, mm -hmm. just as Matthew's question suspected, right. and being open to mercy is a heavenly state. Let's read a little more about this in Secrets of Heaven 24, 23. People who respond to truth cannot lower themselves. So this is talking about people who are responsive to truth. This is sort of the spiritual side of yep. it. Yep, aura of grace. They cannot, this is something interesting makes it, they're incapable of lowering themselves enough to acknowledge in a heartfelt way that everything is a gift of mercy. So they speak instead of grace or favor. That's interesting. So now we're starting to get to it, I think. Yeah. Because like, there's one thing to think, you know, two equals would say, could you do me a favor? Could, yeah. could you pick me up after work or something yeah. like that? You know. Uh, but mercy would be like, 
I am destitute. I've got nothing. You've yeah. got to help me. You know, it's a different kind of attitude. Isn't so it? I'm in favor that, that here I am living my life and I'm doing it self-generated and it's going great. But now God is showing me favor. So things are going even better. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Versus mercy feeling like you are, you, you have, you saved my life. Like you, you are everything. You this are is, everything. And just saying, those are the Not two different part states. part of it. Right. Everything. Right. Oh, I love that. The more meager their response to truth, so there are some people who respond a lot to truth, but some, some, the more meager that is, right. the less humility they feel when they mention grace. So there's even within talking about grace, there's a lot of humility or not much humility actually yeah. <laughs> in talking about that. On the other hand, the stronger a person's response to goodness, not truth now, but the goodness, the more humility that person feels in mentioning mercy. From this it's evident how much the reverence and therefore the worship of a person who loves truth, spiritual type of person, differs from that of a person who loves goodness. Yeah, Very and you can feel this. I mean, you can feel it at times. When there is a spiritual truth that I feel like I get and understand, and it is this total revelation about, okay, yeah, look at this. We, we're all on the same side in this way, and, and it's the, 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 the realization that everybody is a person and we're trying to work to bring them their happiness. You do get in this state where you just feel like, wow, I don't want to be anything puffed up enough that I impede anybody's acceptance of this communal truth. You just mm. feel, you just get in this state where you feel like, um, I, like this humility of like, that is so great I don't want to touch it. I think about when, I, when there's something that I love in nature when I see like an amazing ecosystem yeah. or something, you don't ever feel like, boy, if I could get in there with a pen, I, th this, I would design this kind of fish that would I really... Make this better. Yeah, <laughs> you, just, you just sit, you just love it and you want to like, can, let's preserve it and let's let other people see it. Like that's the feeling of it. And I think it's the same kind of thing. That you mm. get this like, you don't, you're not like aching to put yourself in it you're aching to participate and, and bring joy, uh, th you know, bring that joy intact to other people, which has got to be part of that state. Words like awe and mystery come to mind. Yeah. Uh, just like, this is stunning. I could, yeah, right. Yeah. It, it's, it's a nice, it's a fun state to feel. Okay, that's the setup. We've started to think about that was spiritual, the start? heavenly. Oh yeah, we still got four hours to go. Okay. That was the start of the spiritual heavenly. We're starting to talk about grace and mercy. We've got this confusing thing about, okay, about you know, people. We have to acknowledge that we're evil, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. Here mm. in the quotes we're about to read. So I'm going to stop prefacing it. Let's go now to our three seats. Okay, so let's see if we can dig now. Shoot, I, I said I wouldn't mix metaphors. I wanted to say like we laid the foundation, so let's dig into it, but really it's gotta be, we laid the foundation, so now let's build upon that foundation. Okay. A further understanding house of grace and then a further understanding house of mercy. And this is gonna be deeply offensive, this passage. Let's go. So <laughs> we'll unpack it as we go. Swedenborg could never this, say something offensive. If you don't like getting called evil, this passage is not for you. But I think we can get through to it. 
we're to a point where maybe okay. we love mm. it. But we'll see. Maybe we hate it. Maybe we don't hate it. Secrets of Heaven, 981. This guy was in charge of the translation team that, that gave us this. So send your mail this way. That's right. The Lord yeah. is present in each of us. <laughs> but the further we distance ourselves from neighborly love, the more the Lord's presence is absent, so to speak, which is to say, the more remote the Lord is. Because what is the Lord? We talked about it before. The Lord is this love of giving joy to other people. Right. The less neighborly love is that as well in yes, a finite form. That's exactly so what the it is, yeah. less that we love the Lord, which is the impulse and action to go do that, if we act contrary to that and love contrary to that, even though God is still there and still trying to give us, you can't be said to have the same presence within you because you're not, you're, you're not accepting that emanation in the same way. You're remote from that feeling. The word, f yeah, that feeling, right. The word favor is used rather than mercy because of something I believe is unknown today. Let's see if we know it. People of heavenly character speak not of favor or grace, but of mercy. We knew that. We learned it earlier in the show. Oh. Well, those of spiritual character speak not of mercy, but of grace. The reason for the difference is this. Heavenly people acknowledge, and think about heavenly people, right? Heavenly people. Like, if, if you said, I'm going to go spend the weekend with heavenly people, you know they're going to be nice to you, right? They're heavenly people, correct. whatever they're going to say here, it's going to be they so nice. Acknowledge? It's going to be something so beautiful. Heavenly people acknowledge that the human race is sheer filth. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's <laughs> got to be the worst it gets. It's not going to just talk yeah, about that, that's actual... That's kind of... I don't know. The conversation is going to be interesting after that gonna, opener. Well, at least it's not going to be like blatant potty talk. That in itself it is made of excrement. Oh, dear. Oh, okay. gosh. Well, excrement is not... It's just gross. It's not bad or good. And is hellish. Oh. <laughs> it's not just excrement. It's, it's bad excrement. Yeah. I remember... So there was once long ago... There was a, you guys had just released this transition, the translation That's of right, this book. That's right, very volume. sort of a release party for Secrets of Heaven Volume 2, which is you know you're cool if you're at a release party for Secrets of Heaven Volume 2. And you read a passage which included this, this part. I did. And some people were just very like, what is it? What are you talking about? Whereas I, I find something quite valuable in it. And we'll see if we can get there. So Bracing. Well, yep. let's unpack it as we go. On this account, they beg the Lord for mercy. Mm. And since mercy is the fitting word for people who feel this way. So how, I think we just have to go back to the point that we made before. So the human race in itself. Yes, n not with God's help, yeah. not with all the love and mercy it that flows around us and everything. Doesn't know. everybody have to sort of a dual relationship with the human race? On one hand, you, you look out into the world and you know people and you love them and they're so great and you just, people are so great. And yeah. you check the news and you have, you, you're, you, there's all kinds of things that are going on that you just like, how could people be that horrible? There's right. both. And what the, what the heavenly people understand viscerally, whereas we can only understand it conceptually, is that, that without the inflowing love and wisdom from God, we would only be that, the bad stuff. That the, and think of the behavior that is most repulsive to you that people do Maybe some people are picturing us telling them that they're evil in this show. But what's the, what's the behavior that's most repulsive to you? Nobody would, would fail, I think, to, to say that that is hellish. And it's that reminding is me of some filth. 
Agatha Christie mystery where the lights go out and somebody immediately shoots somebody else or hits them with a bow and arrow or something. Yeah. You know, like as soon as the lights go out right. and somebody won't know that you're doing it, so, you know, then a crime is, is instantly committed. Right. So, that, so because they know, because they know without the Lord's help, it's not just like, oh, I would, if the Lord helps me, I get a new car. But it's like without the Lord's help, we, we would spiral into every evil. It is more like... We would be so dead. Spiritual people, on the other hand, might know intellectually that the human race is such, but they do not accept it internally because they hold fast to their sense of self-sufficiency and love it. And it may be that they never hit bottom. That's a key right there, isn't it? Because uh, it's your comfort level. I mean, you know, we felt a little uncomfortable going into this quote here. It's like, well, don't tell me. Hey. You know, I... I I want to preserve some dignity. You know, I, I don't want to be told I'm made of excrement and yeah. hellish. At least not by Swedenborg. Other people have told me that. But, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but you could reject their saying it. Yeah. As a consequence, they have a hard time saying the word mercy, but an easy time saying grace. So interesting. And, and also, you know what this can do, too, is give ourselves a break. Because there's going to be a part of us that is on this intellectual, spiritual level that's like, okay, I could see that sort of... As a con- but I don't th- really think it's there. Everybody's got that part. Right? Yeah, right. This results from the type of humility in each of the two. The more we love ourselves and consider ourselves capable of doing good under our own in order to earn salvation, the less we're able to plead for the Lord's mercy. Ah, so yeah, there's earning salvation in there. So you're not going to plead for mercy. If it's something that, hey, I did A, B, yeah. C, D, therefore I deserve the good. So they, you get the prize, right? But it's, and it's also as well like what... What campfire are we gathered around? Like, what is the human experience? Are we here to do awesome things individually? And as such, there, there's some sort of hierarchy. Is the story like, look how cool I am, look how cool that person is, and that person and the rest of you are not as cool as us, but look at how cool we are. Or is this the headline, look at the Lord? Yes. It, are we at that nature preserve together saying, right. like, this is amazing? This is the, astonishing. The reason some are able to ask the Lord's grace or favor is that it has become a customary way of speaking when the request is merely formal. Grace contains a little of the Lord, but is full of oneself. Nobody, oh, you've probably seen there's you know, televangelists or something like, the Lord is going to give me a new something, right? Which is definitely like, is it, do you feel the love coming out of that? I feel in a way like grace might be, Swedenborg doesn't say this, but I'm just thinking that grace might be seen as sort of a momentary favor or like yeah, a, right. I need exactly this much. Yeah. You know, just, just for now. And, and then, then I, I can go for a couple months on my own and then I might need another favor yeah. or a little more grace or something. But mercy's like a blanket, right? It, it's uh, just something. Something to point out too is that heavenly people, even if you're thinking of angels, the angels are in Swedenborg's cosmology. It's the human race. It's just us in with the people. opening of the mind. So these heavenly beings are not calling us. They're calling themselves and everyone the same. Very good point. Yeah. So, but, let's but, but I mean, the point I'm stuck on is that isn't saying things like you're no good, you're crap or something like that, you know, right? Which is a similar sort of thing to say. Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of thing that evil spirits say to you? Uh, you know, to put put you down and everything. Yeah. If that's something that hell uses to shame us, how can that be so liberating to angels? It's bizarre. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, so do you have answers to that? Well, 
I don't know, but there was something that I've read in what Swedenborg uh, was doing that's such a weird point that he talks about being nothing, and he talks about it a number of times in, in his spiritual experiences. Being nothing. Being nothing. And that might be a clue. So let's have a look at some passages about being nothing. Let's drill okay. down. Here's spiritual experiences 2043. What's the heading? What it means to be nothing. Okay. There were spirits who did not understand what it meant when it was said one must be reduced to nothing or become nothing. These are biblical phrases and okay. other things in spiritual context. Thinking that when they lost those things which were their own, whatever you're proud of or you feel like this is me, they're thinking nothing would be left so that the person or spirit would no longer be in control of himself, but like a machine devoid of all sense or thought. Like, ooh, you know, you're just yeah. flatlining or something. You're right. like the robot you in, take everything out. in uh, right. you know, sleep mode or something. So they very often told me that I was nothing or would become nothing, making fun of me. <laughs> Leave them alone. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I don't, do you have uh, <laughs> some good friends? I don't just, have any just spirit friends. Out. Because they did not understand what it is to be nothing. But I was given to reply to them. And you see, even the language that he uses there, it's not like I replied. Yeah. It's yes. like I received, this answer came given to, to me. Reply, and right? I'm grateful for it. I don't know where it came from. It was amazing. It just came into my mind. But I was given to reply to them that this was my wish, that is, to be nothing. In fact, entirely nothing. For then only would I begin to be something. Sounds very then, but what does it yeah. mean? Yeah, I mean, who knows? It's a very interesting idea, but it's as if you have to get to that point of saying, may, it, maybe it's about the lower self or something. Yeah. Let's look at another passage well, to see if we... I would say Swedenborg, Swedenborg is, is saying he's in this state. So whatever the state, is, the being nothing state, right? Yeah. So much so that spirits are making fun of him for it. Swedenborg, right. very obviously, just by, by hearing accounts of his life and by reading his material and everything, he has a personality, he's a person, he hasn't, he's not some weird zombie, so it he's, must not be well what we known. think. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So right. he's nothing, but the nothing doesn't mean, and there you have a little clue, like a little breadcrumb, mm. only when I become nothing do I start to become something. Okay, sorry, you're going to go Yeah, next. right, right. And I think this is a sort of a clue to how Swedenborg got to be Swedenborg. Yeah. Let's look at Spiritual Experiences 2044. Afterwards, just continuing, they were instructed that nothing meant that one would lose all that is one's own, that is, one's own desires, and thus iniquities. Oh, okay, so becoming nothing in terms of yeah. your own iniquities. Now, is that program? I think it is. So, uh, one's own desires and all that, yes. What's translated one's own, there's this Latin word program, this is like the, what, what belongs to, so it's a particular term, so I think... I feel like that's relevant to mention here, that he's talking about this part of, of our conscious experience, what, what is considered to be one's own. It doesn't necessarily mean everything that you think of when you hear one's own. No, yeah. and it's kind of like what would be left if you took God out of the picture, which is ridiculous. You know, I mean, there would be nothing Thought experiment. There. But right. it's still sort of that part of your territory that you feel the most in charge of or, you know, th this is me, this is what's important about me kind of thing. Funny thing is, he says, everything evil that we tend to toward actually doesn't co originate in us, it comes out of hell. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah, it so even what you like, think is your yeah. own, you're, even what you're proud of it is not. It appears like it's coming out of us, right? If we could get to that point, then a different person 
would emerge. Very interesting. And that makes me think again of the things that we were talking about earlier when people hit bottom and then they go through a change. It's almost like those New Testament miracles where they're clothed and in yeah. their right mind. You know, like then you, st you become a very different person because that part of you kind of died in a way. And I, I'm a different person now than I was when I was 15. I mean, that, and, and I, I'm more myself now than, than I was then. And what, what this is essentially saying is like the real you is being held hostage by all this negative baggage. Yeah, by this, by this false you. Yeah. They were told that they could not be something before they had lost what was their own. And to the extent that they lose those things or are reduced to nothing, they begin to be something. And then they would have whatever they longed for and thought about. Whoa. It's almost like an answer to prayer situations, like, I want this, I want this. And then you're frustrated and you can't get there. Well, that thing has to die, it be nothing, yeah. right. and then everything will be given and, to you. And why? Look at this, I love the name. <clears throat> for people are given by the Lord to long for the right things, which they surely obtain in abundance. Ah, you see, as long as you were in that other state, what you want is not a good thing to have. Yeah. You know, you want someone else to do miserably. You yeah. want stuff just so that you can gratify yourself, whatever it is. Yeah. But once you want the right things, then the Lord is happy to give them to you together with enjoyment. It's what we're all looking for, isn't right. it? And this constantly, so long as and so far as, they are nothing unto themselves. So they receive countless things together with innermost joy and gladness and with immeasurably fuller awareness than a person feels in his or her enjoyments and in unending variety. The sensation and awareness which they had thought would be gone then also increase unendingly when the sensation and awareness of enjoyments from their own loves cease. So it's almost like that moment at which you sort of stop, you cut off the feed from this, you know, part. Yeah. And then, then the other signal starts to come in from here. And what you're loving is different. Yeah. And it's able to be blessed. Prayers are able to be answered. You feel more like yourself yeah. uh, after you go through this. Now, when I was young, I believed that the greatest joy that you could have would be to be the most exceptional person. That, that exists, right? I would think about like, oh, there's all these musicians that everybody yeah. adores. I'll be one of them and I'll be the greatest one of them. And that's the greatest joy that can exist. Yeah. But right. that's, that's deceptive because a lot of people who even who make it to that stage in life, there's all kinds of issues and things that can very much be a wrong track. And it's, and the happiness of that is nothing compared to the happiness of heaven, which the Lord is slowly introducing to us, even though it doesn't, it doesn't sparkle at first. When you start to get what it is, you realize, oh, this is much greater happiness. So it's like the old person that just wanted limited stuff that, that eventually we look on, it's like this is shallow and destructive to other people. Then this thing emerges where you've got it so that it's like with food. Like you used to just want to just oh, yeah. have total junk food all the time. Right. But then they start to say, like, oh, I, I like this, this stuff that I, I am thinking about the impact on my body as well. And then it, once you learn to like things that are good for you, mm. you can have as much as you want. Because that's, that's, and that's, that's the state right. that the there Lord is trying to get us into. There are you really can eat as much as you want, yeah. and, and, and they won't like they popcorn. Won't you. Um, that's right. And, it was so and, and the, uh, uh, there's even a protection in it that Swedenborg talks about. Okay. 
like in Spiritual Experiences 4067, what it is to be nothing. Here's his heading again. I heard when the most deceitful ones, these are spirits, overhead were speaking among themselves, even wanting to destroy me. So these deceitful ones, they're overhead, yeah. they want to destroy Swedenborg. That they said, and he's overhearing them, I can hear you. Yeah. That they said they could not because he, meaning Swedenborg, is nothing. And if he were something, they would be able to. So what's going on there? Then I realized that to be something, as something of one's own, that it was then so portrayed that they could attack and destroy that. That's what they work on, that sense of self that you have. And that then the most deceitful ones would have that right. But when it was represented that I was nothing, then it seemed to them that they had no power over what was then seen to be nothing. For then they did not have anything to attack. Whew. Thus he is safe who, having the truth of faith, believes himself to be nothing. So he's talking about a protection in here. And again, I think that's a key to how Swedenborg was able to walk around in hell and all over the place, the world of bad, you know, the parts of the world of spirits, and yeah. because he was protected because he didn't feel, hey, I'm, uh, you're lucky I'm here. You know, he wasn't yeah. all full of himself and, you know, so that gave him protection. Yeah, so I want to say that you can see this. Uh, I don't know about like the full extent of it and where he got to in that yeah. state, but this is very obviously demonstrable to yourself in your own head. When I was in my earlier phase of life and, and depressed and anxious and very much you know wrapped up in like what's my value as compared to other people's values and I want to be really great, how you, the way that you're head bullies, the way the stuff in your mind attacks you, your own thoughts and feelings, is to come and say, like, you're no good. And when, you're, when your life consists in how good am I, right, to hear that is really... It's devastating. It's devastating. Or it's, it's like, watch out, this person said something that made you look like a fool, and now we can replay that over and over, because what's the worst thing that can happen? It's you looking like a fool. And when, when your trajectory is all like, it's constant conversations in your head, are, you, are things going to turn out for you well? Are you going to have this or that? When those same things come and you say to them, you're able to have built up the affection for truth where you can say to them, like, you're, you're no good. And you're just like, well, I, you know, I'm going to be what the Lord wants me to be. And the Lord loves me, whereas you are all trying to kill me, essentially. And the Lord is goodness and truth itself. And so is going to bring me to the, who, who made up me being as I am, you know, who made up mm. the human experience that Curtis will be this part of it, you know, I'm going to let, that God is going to bring me a better outcome than any scheming that I could do or that you could do, and so talk to my manager about my value or not. That is the, <laughs> the greatest tool against depression that I've ever had, so it's worth looking at. Okay, we, yeah. we're, we're way behind, let's keep going. Spiritual experiences 4341, yeah. uh, heading what it is to be nothing. Going on and on. A certain upright spirit spoke with me. So now he's talking, he's in better company this yeah. time. He's talking to an upright spirit. And it's interesting to me, this is thousands of passages later, he's still thinking about this nothingness thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. He's been writing about this for quite a while. Certain upright spirit spoke with me saying, he is nothing. The Swedenborg, that, that's interesting right. to hear. And he was asked, I think probably by Swedenborg, what his conception was of being nothing realizing that he had the idea that compared to the whole, to the multitude of spirits in the whole universe, he's nothing. You know, I'm, okay. I'm infinitesimal, I don't add up to much of anything, I'm, I'm really 
I'm, I'm not, I'm just a tiny little piece There's of this whole so thing. so many consciousnesses. So I'm happy that's something, but if, you know, there could be millions of people, and if they could all be made happy, that's really something. So right. Swedenborg has an interesting reaction to this, but I was inspired to tell him that this is one conception. That's fine. Of what it is to it's be good. nothing. Okay. Yep. But that there are many others, such as this, that he has no power from himself. It's not just you're numerically insignificant or something like that. You have no power of yourself. Then also that he has no thought from himself. You don't even think your own thoughts. And then that he has no life from himself. It's all coming in from God. Especially that he is something dead from himself. Something filthy. Here we go again. Yeah. Can't leave it alone. And nothing but evil from himself. Thus that all goodness is from the Lord. I just think Swedenborg really learned this in a visceral well, way, you know? In, in the biosphere, all energy is from the sun. It's not, yes, it it's, it's, it's not a foreign concept, right? That's right. These, I said, are several ideas of being nothing. There are some other, <laughs> you know, ideas yeah. of how to be nothing. And I think Swedenborg had checked all those boxes at some point of realizing, yeah. wow, I don't have my own thoughts. I don't have my own life. I, yeah. I, I exist at the good pleasure of this infinite being of love and wisdom, and it's a miracle when I wake up every morning. Well, so it almost seems like Swedenborg had lost a certain part of his life, but he had found this amazing new life in which he's happier and more with it than before. Mm. Could this be why Jesus Christ says plainly, whoever loses his life will find it? What, what does that mean if it doesn't mean this? Right. Why is he saying the, whoever the, will lose his life? The life, life of that ego, the life yeah. of feeling that it, you're the king and queen and yeah. the, you, you know you rule the universe or something right right so what can emerge if we if we lay down the stuff that's blocking the the grace and mercy is heavenly love from the lord which is our true is actually who you are that person in there that's trapped there's secrets mm. of heaven uh swedenborg talks about it the outer self is only a kind of tool or organ the in itself devoid of life that receives life from the inner self and what's the inner self? What's our true self? This is 1594. Our inner self is simply mutual love. The qualities of the inner self are the Lord. So the, the, the mm. best self, the, who you really know you want to be, or, or who, what's the potential in you that you don't even realize, that is, that is the inner self, that is the Lord working with us. So to get that and acknowledge that, the more that we know how much we need the Lord or, or we are interacting, understanding our relationship with the Lord, the less we have this blockage to actual happiness, the, and the more our own deepest identity and happiness can be set free. This is our last seat here, Divine Providence 42. The more closely we are united to the Lord, the more clearly we seem to have our own identity. Mm. So this losing the life is not losing your sense of who you are. It actually is gaining more of a sense of who you are. And yet, the more obvious it is to us that we belong to the Lord. So all this stuff, oh, the Lord gives us life and thought and all that, it doesn't make you feel like you're less of a person. So just know that about the nature of the, the actual reality of our oh, partnership. Said, then you can first be something, like you're more of yeah. something after And not something like there's no me, you, f you feel more like there's you. Since people who are united to the Lord are neither willing nor able to think and intend what is evil, the outward appearance leads others to believe that this amounts to a loss of identity. Okay, there. If your life consists in wanting Looking to do evil, outside, and you feel like, wait, where you, did you go? You, you don't. You don't find evil things appealing anymore. Well, you're just a zombie. 
whereas it can be such a liberating thing, yet is the exact opposite. Our ability to think and intend what is good, and to say and do it when circumstances permit, comes from heavenly freedom. Union with the Lord makes us feel that we have freedom and therefore identity. And the closer our union with the Lord, the greater our freedom and our identity. Just in case you are worried, this is about erasing you. The reason our identity seems clearer is that divine love, by its very nature, wants to give what it has to others, which means to us on earth mm. and all angels. All spiritual love is like this, divine love most of all. As Gandalf, that's from Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, the wizard said, I'm not trying to rob you. You know, I'm, God is not coming to say, you have this good life where you feel like you're yourself, but come here and just be a little extension of me. Like, this is, this is, this is all the baggage gone and all the good stuff amplified. This is mm. what, what's actually out there. And so how do we really get on board with all of this? We have to consent as if of ourselves on behalf of goodness. So in other words, we, we reshape our lives along those lines as if we were doing it. Yeah. And yet acknowledging that the power comes from outside of ourselves. And bit by bit, we get ourselves into alignment where we start to receive that. We receive the grace. And then if we're lucky and we are even willing to go to that point of feeling like filth or whatever, yeah. you can get to the mercy point. And, and to the greater joy. The greater, the greater believe it or not. Joy and the greater sense of having a self, and yeah. yet it feels like that it's a gift from God, even who you are is a gift from God. That somehow, that life that has that acknowledgement in it of the negativity of the self without God, you are much happier than we are right now. Do you know what gift, gift of God is in Hebrew? Uh, no. Jonathan. Just I w saying. It was here the whole time. It was here the whole time. To hear more about this idea, uh, I can't believe I got this gift. From I, don't, I don't. Isn't he? Isn't he though? So, <laughs> to get this idea in a full hour episode uh, on its own, see our show, how to find your true self, and how this is really about empowering us to to be what mm. we really should be. Let's let that all sink in now. It's time for our correspondences meditation. Hey, did you guys see that? There's a little Easter egg there. We saw it. Okay. Just watch it back later and look in the corner. So what we want to do is um, think of this, <laughs> this ego, the outer self, the, the life that isn't the true life, like the shell of a seed. Like it, do, it has a function. But when we want to let the actual, when it, but it's, it's got it's a job. It's not the living part, right? When we want to become this living thing, we let that split open, let ourselves come out. And then we get to this heavenly freedom from the, the bonds of this self-concern we all walk mm. around with. And we actually get into a state that's, that we've all had before in the past. It's just like kids who play, enjoy the moment with this wisdom layered on that we can function in life in a different way. But so let's look at those two things. Let's look at a seed opening up to become living. Let's look at the state of children. And in that, think about the potential for us to have this grace and mercy coming in and, and making that happen.
So we, we've been on a journey here. We learned a lot of things. If, if we had to summarize it, I mean, what's, what's the takeaway? Mm. Well, I'm so interested in the fact that the, um, the difference between grace and mercy is not really in God. It's in how we receive that. And that our level, there's, a, there's a, in a way, a kind of a high price to pay to get to the mercy level. There's a kind of having to really let go of any idea that you're something special or, or what, you know what I mean? You, you really got to come to a pretty low place to get there. But if you break through to that, the joy and the beauty that's in there is, is incredible. Yeah, right. And that you, are, you actually are something special. It's a different kind of special than you thought. A- and Yes, you know. and God-given instead of just located in your, like, I'm amazing because of me. Yeah. As opposed to, I see how God is creating this person and endowing this person right. with certain attributes and, and being useful to people through this person. And right. It's a miracle. It's all a miracle. And it's something, it's sure, it's a journey to go on, but, but play with it in your mind. Just see, because I definitely feel like there's fuel in there for a lot of good transformation and a lot of freedom from the stuff that we deal with. Mm. Now, um, speaking of being trapped in terrible <laughs> states of mind, it's time for the elevator pitch. So we gotta, uh, now, you know, if we needed real evidence that we are nothing, how about we have to just like riff on these <laughs> ideas with no preparation? So the point of this is if, if, if these are truths, if we are digging in and discovering these truths, they may sound awkward and stilted when we first encounter them, but as we live them like a stone kind of getting smoothed out in the ocean or in a river, it should be that as we live them, we really come to understand them to a point where we can talk about them succinctly and and from the heart. So what we're going to do is pretend that we both stepped onto an elevator here in our elevator pitch, and we only have 60 seconds to answer the other person's question about a particular Swedenborg topic, not just what it is, but why it's worth learning about and why it can actually be applicable and, and, and an upgrade in the way that you see life. We've got our um, topics from you. Neither of us have seen them. You want to go first? I'll go you, first. You look like you've unless got it's, unless it's, you know, pen at the right, unless it's a hard one. Yeah, I right. could pass. Yeah, something. okay. So this is it. Profanation. Mm. Whew. Great. The well, most, the one. fun, right. the, the, the least fun concept in Swedenborg. Okay, All so right. like we just got on the elevator, and I said, hey, aren't you Dr. Jonathan Rose from that show? Hey, what's up with Provination, man? Can you mm. tell me? All right, here we go. Three, two. The Bible talks about profanation. It talks about abomination and various sort of scary-sounding things, and there's imagery about being cast down into the lowest hell and, and things like that. And Swedenborg explains quite a bit about this, that it's interesting that you you remember this passage in the book of Revelation uh, where it talks about, I wish you were either hot or cold, but since you're lukewarm, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. Uh, It's about that lukewarm state. You see, good and evil are enemies to each other. And so they really should not coexist in the mind. They're really designed in such a way that evil could be on the outside and good on the inside. But if you can't do it that way, do it the other way around. At least they're not on the same level of the house attacking each other. But if you are so determined that you do both on the same level, which you really have to work at, uh, they tend to destroy each other. 
and leave you with almost no humanity left. So the Lord guards against this happening in us. Well, then I won't do it. And, no, that's great. And it's a good way to put it, to get him, get him on the same level. And you see little elements of this in, you know, like if you use, let's say you use innocence in some way to harm, or, or you use, yes. particularly use right. like religious concepts to, to dominate to, people. To abuse. Or, or, yes, You're right, mixing right. what should be good with evil Something intent. Something very good. Yes. With something very bad and heinous. And you and just yeah, see the right. ripple effects from that because it, 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 it harms people in a, in, a, in a very deep way and it gets people to dislike something that they should like if it wasn't. So it has the, all this harm done. So naturally it's this thing you really want to steer. And I think God is serious that a better outcome is just go ahead and be evil. Don't, right. you know, that's yeah. a better outcome because yeah. you're not these two opposite things mixed together. Right. It, um, yeah. Okay. Wait, well, hey, Intense question. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm glad you went first. Let's see if there's another <laughs> one out there for a little old me. This is going to be Heaven on Earth, Jenny Roberts. Okay, here we go. So heaven on Earth is a thing that you could, you, let's say we all started loving each other all the time, right? Everybody w wanted the common good, and that would be Heaven on Earth. Well, Heaven on Earth is actually a composite thing. It starts in you. You've got a little heaven in yourself, and you've got a little earth. Mm. When we first start life, it's only the earth. We don't know that there is a heaven. We're just thinking about the self, and we're, we're, we're hemmed in by all sorts of stuff we've been talking about in this show. But when you start to learn what's true, and actually get stirred by love for what's good and for others inside of you, and you start to see, look, this is what really matters, that's when that heaven in your mind, when it comes down into your actions and actually changes, not just when you're thinking about religious things, but actually day to day, it becomes this new way to see life, suddenly there's heaven on earth in you. And when you meet somebody who's got that in them, and you see the way that they treat you and the way they talk mm. to people, then that, that starts to really show, oh, this is the way life could be. And when everybody makes that little journey on their own and comes out of it just loving service and wanting nothing more than to pursue that, think about what that would do to all of life. That's heaven on earth. Mm. Nice. It's a quick 60. I like that. that, okay. that that's very good. I like the, the way that you talked about the, that the individual, because it is made up of a number of individual, yeah. so that both makes it difficult to get there, but it's also pretty cool, and I imagine it would have a reinforcing effect if you had more and more people who were in that state, but right. it's, it, each individual can do something about it. Yeah, and create that, and then it radiates out from there. That's very cool. I like. Cool. That. Thanks, guys, Good for the answer. great topics. And let's now go. We're going to do our ice melter, where we get to your answers to the questions in the beginning. But first, we are not-for-profit entity. The way that we can do this stuff is by contributions from all of you. So here is a little bit on how you can support us make this programming. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. As a nonprofit, we depend on donor support to continue to create high quality programming. Any gift you give joins you to the central network of people in the world who make our work possible. You can deepen the significance of your gift by making it in memory or honor of someone special in your life. This could be done as a one-time gift, recurring monthly, or run as a special fundraiser for your circle of friends and family. Go to otle.causevox.com and follow the prompts to make a gift in whatever way is most meaningful for you. Your support helps the ideas in our content reach and nourish thousands of people every day around the globe. 
we couldn't do it without you. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through in this way, in the end, everybody wins. Okay, do you remember way back to the beginning? The question there was a question. Had? I remember yeah. there was a question. There was a question, ago. and the question was, which hopefully makes even you look at it in a new way now, mm. uh, was, are there things you know you can't do without God's help? And let's see what people thought about it back in the beginning. What, what was the answers mm. from the audience? For myself, everything. Mm. I can't love myself without God's help. Wow. And that's a good... That's a really interesting because one. Because yeah. you, you might think that all this stuff we're saying is against love of self. But no, God want, loves us more than anybody ever could. So it's, this is that's not right. saying like give up your value as a human being. So that's great. Having peace from knowing the long term will be okay. That's tough, right? Yeah. Find my way back home from where I came. Mm. Get past my ego reactions to the world around me and live, of course. Exist. When you lose someone really close to you, you realize that the common saying, every day is a gift, is a statement of the purest truth. Everything. I love the sweeping answer. It's really yeah. great. It really helped me to realize that I can't do anything without the Lord. I know I can't deal with personal loss without God's help. He has inspired me always to have faith and be strong for others when I've felt totally bereft of either. Nice. Stop worrying. Right? If that stuff is on auto, repeat. Mm. Avoid temptation. Yeah, that's right. I can't deal with my husband's death without God's help. Mm. You can't deal with grief without God's that's help. That's right. Empathizing with others when they're behaving badly, especially if they're attacking and making me angry. It that's can be so... impossible. Like, what? Right. Love your enemies. What? Those are great. Thank you, oh, everybody. Wonderful. Love taking this journey with you. And if you have further thoughts now that you've seen the show, leave them in the comments. Or if you were just watching this afterwards and didn't weren't able to participate live, leave a comment here because we want to be able to talk this stuff over, smooth that stone out like we're talking about, and really get to what, how is this showing up in people's lives? Because if this stuff is accurate, mm. if it's true, you should see it in yourself. Other people should see it in each other, right? So, again, like and subscribe if you haven't already. That helps us click that bell. And what we are going to do as a thanks to all the support you've all given us is keep making shows. And we're going to be right back at it this week. We've got two episodes of News from Heaven. Mm. We made sure they rhymed. The on Thursday, we're going to have four groups of angels discuss God's breath. And on Saturday, the state of married couples after death. That's fun that they rhyme. Yeah, and both uh, amazing insights, not only into life after death, but how that, what that means to us day mm. to day. The short clips are back as well on Wednesday. We're going to look at, can you dwell in the house of the Lord? Ooh. What does that mean? And on Friday, we'll take a look at sculptures in heaven. Interesting. And next Monday, we've got our good question panel show. If case you had any questions that you know we didn't get a chance to answer, show up. We have a panel of people that will talk them through with you. The following Monday, we continue this season of Swedenborg and Life with what happens to your mind when you die. How different is it? to be out of the physical body and into this life after mm. death. That's what's coming up. Thank you, everybody. Really interesting. Topic. Thank you, Gift of God and uh, <laughs> Dr. Jonathan Rose, series editor. We appreciate having you here, man. I'd love to hear your insights. It's been really fun. Good. And, and it's kind of blown my mind, I have to say. You all blow our mind as well. Thank you so much for 
being a part of this and, and participating and, and making it happen. It's a great joy for all of us in the team to get to interact with you. And let's do it again real soon. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner. <laughs>